Good day, everyone. Welcome to episode number 65 of the Seat Struck Movie Podcast. My name is John. Joining to me, joining, so I already fucked it up. Okay. Joining me today is my co host, Curtis. Hello. And Simon. Hello. Ah, today is a good one. Um, I, you know, I fucked up because I'm so excited to talk this one. I'm going to be the. You he was know, just the, think, he the was thinking about silver shamrocks, and he had. I was thinking about silver everything. shamrock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucked up mine too because I say hey hey, I don't say hello. I I almost fully expect that like this that will be the intro of this episode will be the like eight more days still Halloween Halloween. So folks, welcome. It's November thirteenth, twenty twenty two. Uh, today we're once again talking Halloween sequels. Last week we did Halloween two. This week we're talking Halloween three: Season of the Witch uh, from 1982. Uh, however, before we get to that main topic, as we do, um, we're going to start off talking uh, newest additions to our watch list, new movies we've added to our watch list that we are hoping to check out sometime in the future. Um, Curtis, it's good to see you again. Why don't you uh, Thanks, kick man. things off? Yeah, yeah, good to be back. I was finished working on my book and. Uh... Uh, it's a lot of deadlines too, but it's nice to finally be back. So, so I had a lot of stuff to add to my watch list. So the first thing I added was uh, um, I've been really, I watched uh, Halloween Ends recently too. So I've been kind of looking at David Gordon Green's backlist and I, I'd watched uh, George Washington a while ago too, but I want to watch some of his other ones too. So he had a couple films that I added, uh, Undertow and Snow Angels. These are two of his films too. One cool. is Kate, Kate Beckinsale and uh, another guy, it's like some some jealous ex-lover comes back into her life too but they're very kind of like they're very grounded and I've, i like a lot of the, his kind of like small town dramas that he does too they just feel really personable too and you kind of got that with halloween ends a little bit to some extent maybe it was a little bit messy but um yeah i'm kind of interested to see more of his work so i added those to my list i added uh the new uh, emily bronte film uh emily it's about the bronte sisters too cool. i just heard about it i mean it probably capitalizes on the bronte myth too but I was always really interested in Emily Bronte too. I usually teach her poems too. Everyone knows Wuthering oh, cool. Heights. That's a kind of a batshit book, but um, I, I really like her poems. So uh, yeah, and I like the actress who plays her in the film too. She's from um, Sex Education. I forget her name offhand, but she's really, really good. Cool. Um, I think her name is Emma McMackey and she's she's in Sex Education. And she's, oh, is she like the main lead role or whatever? Yeah, I'm like, wow. Yeah. I didn't know Emily Bronte was so hot. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm excited to watch that. And then there's another series that I wanted to watch. It's uh, written by, um, and I think directed by Taylor Sheridan, starring Sylvester Stallone. Cool. It's coming out to Paramount Plus. Uh, this, I think it's out now. And uh, I love Taylor Sheridan's work. He did uh, Hell or High Water, 1899. I hope I got the year for that right. A um, whole bunch of other stuff to uh, Yellowstone. And I love the way Wind River. Um, he used to be in Sons of Anarchy too. And then he switched to kind of screenwriting. So this is his new series. I think Sylvester Stallone, Sly, plays um, some mob boss who's relocated or something. So he's out of jail. Uh, and he goes to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, so it <laughs> sounds kind of interesting. It might be garbage. But, I mean, I like the writing. So at least that, there's that. What did you add to your watch list, Simon? 
nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you know, I, I nothing on my list. I mean, there's a few here and there, but nothing major. I've been watching nothing. a lot. A lot. I, well, because we had a, we had a hurricane over here. Oh yeah, well, I'm glad you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was a baby hurricane. So, I didn't see any flying uh, cows. So. <laughs> yeah. No, John. Why don't you tell us about your watch list? Yeah, sure. So I have I have a few added added on here. The first one, uh, pretty pretty popular film when it came out, uh, Manchester by the Sea uh, from 2016. Um, uh, this film, from my, my understanding, stars Casey Affleck. The kind of little synopsis: It's uh, after his older brother passes away, Lee Chandler is forced to return home to care for his 16 year old nephew. Um, and when he's there, he's compelled to kind of deal with the tragic past that separated him from his family and the community where he was born and raised. I know when this film came out. Got a lot of you know amazing reviews. Was nominated for an Oscar. I think Casey Affleck uh, was was nominated as well for best uh, for best lead and best actor role. Um, I've never seen it before. I've heard it's pretty a uh, very intense movie. I've heard it's very emotional. Um, I can kind of only speculate about kind of the subject matter of it, but um, excited to check it out. I know it's on Amazon. I think it, when it got when it came out, it got a brief theatrical run, but it was mostly distributed on Amazon. So kind of excited to check that one out at some point. I like a lot of the Amazon video kind of exclusive films. I find a lot of them. I don't know what it is. I think I talked about it before, but just the way they look, you know, to quote Lex G, yeah, the really sheen of them, they look values. better than the Netflix ones usually. I don't know yeah, what it is. They don't have I, that like TV sheen, you know, or over. Yeah, I was watching. Yeah, yeah. Like that I, That one, uh, what was it? I, I think I care a lot. The one with like Rosamund Pike, like I not kind of a mid movie. I was watching it, like this looks better than like any Netflix film, like <laughs> over the majority of them anyway. I just thought something about it, but uh, so I'm excited to check that one out. Uh, another one which came out in 2020, uh, directed by Evan Morgan, called The Kid Detective. Um, this one's a little bit of like a black comedy thriller. It's about this uh, this man who growing up he was like this like hotshot kid detective, kind of like a throwback to I guess a lot of like those like 90s series about you know children detectives. And he's he's now 31. He's older now. He continues to solve the same trivial mysteries between hangovers and bouts of self-pity until a naive client actually calls him about his first adult case to find out who murdered her boyfriend. So I've heard it actually talked about pretty with pretty glowing terms. It came out in 2020, so a lot of people, myself included, kind of missed it because um, of the pandemic and whatnot. But um, it's it does it, it's it's funny. It's it's pretty it's pretty sharp, but it's also at times pretty dark and brutal. So it, I, it has a good balance of tone from what I've heard. So I want to check that one out. Um, and lastly, I know he just had another movie come out, Red Rocket, and I, I haven't Ooh, seen does. Tangerine oh. yet, but that's on my list. But Sean Baker. 2017 oh, is filmed the Florida project, which I know. Yeah, it was starring Willem Dafoe. I've heard people gush about it. I've actually seen a few scenes online. I, I, think I, I, hate, I, hate, I hated the mother and daughter, actually, but I love Willem Dafoe in that movie. And there's this great scene in it where he like tells off a, a, a pedophile who's in the park. And Willem Dafoe is the light, the shining light of that movie. I, I think he's so good. In that. And I think you'd like it too, Simon. I, I'm familiar with it. Uh, I haven't seen it, though. I think, yeah, it actually, I think I saw it on Amazon uh, as I was flipping past uh, but as I was endlessly scrolling the other night uh, through movies, I think it's on there. Yeah, I'll it's uh, it, it's shot. It takes place in your home state too. It's uh, I think it's like a. My understanding is it's a, at this like local hotel. Yeah, it's like outside Disney, Disney World. Yeah. yeah, it's like one of these outside Orlando hotels that are you know a lot of Disney workers and stuff. People kind of work there, live there, come <coughs> they, 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 they like sell the. They take all the merch and sell it for like overpriced to the you know tourists who come in. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of kids living there in pretty like impoverished conditions, and the film actually follows like a group of children as well. And and Willem Dafoe is kind of one of the main characters, the main adult character, but it kind of follows him 
this kind of this like main sort of guiding light figure of of this kind of troubled troubled area. So wanted to want to check that one out because uh, I've heard when it came out, people were nonstop glowing about it. And I know the Red Rocket one just came out. I missed it in the theater, so I kind of want to like start and watch Tangerine first because that one looks cool. I know that one shot an iPhone. Yeah, it's like it's slick. like the trend the trans woman I think, and it's her her buddy, and they go on like this adventure in was it some small town I think or L.A. or something. Yeah. yeah, and it's all shot on iPhone, so it looks really cool. Um, it, I, I remember watching the trailer for it right around the time I watched Inland Empire, and I'm like, man, like, uh, kind of like that movie was kind of ahead of its time. Like a lot of the movies now coming out on iPhone, like shot on iPhone, they, they actually look pretty pretty good now. The camera qualities can really do a good job capturing some of this film. And you know, if they were thinking maybe we're five years away from everything being filmed on like an iPhone or something like that, the way things are going. But uh, yeah, so that that's that's what's on my watch list. I guess we can get into our what we watched. I've been watching mostly just TV, but uh, I'll kick it over actually to Simon to let us know what what have you uh, checked out recently. Okay, so I've got a lot, I got a lot of good ones. Um, the Weird Al Yankovic story. Oh, that's hey. fucking weird. Yeah, with with Daniel Radcliffe. Oh my god, it is <laughs> and so like funny. Evan Rachel Wood as as Madonna. <laughs> yeah, it all it was just he knocked it out of the park. I he mean, is, he is Weird Al. <laughs> I I I didn't I wasn't expecting this. I was expecting a semi serious biography. Instead, we got like I don't know UHF. 2.0 i mean it's, it was so great it was so great um, i'm just a new love for for a uh, uh, newfound love for weird al uh i hope he makes more movies um because he's two for two right and it really like it really makes fun of a lot of those biopics too because it takes the kind of structure and throws it on its head and they have this whole like mythology about wait weird al so it kind of like <laughs> gives the finger to like a lot of these biopics and stuff which is kind of cool too yeah, ex- yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a lot of fun. We don't get, a, I don't, we don't get a lot of new uh, comedies. So something like that is uh, a very welcome in my world. Um, I also want to gush about Barbarian. Um, oh yeah, I'm glad you watched. Liked it. <laughs> okay, so you know what? I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but go into it knowing nothing, and it's it's a real it's a real treat of a horror movie. That's for sure. And then lastly, uh, I want to take a few minutes to talk about um, the uh, Curiosity. What the, what's it called again? Cabinet of Curiosities. Cabinet of Curiosities, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I only watched one of them, The Viewing, by my favorite director, Panos Cosmatos. And this one hour long, like short, short, uh, I, I rewatched Drug it last trip. night. <laughs> huh? It's like a drug trip. It's so cool. It is. Well, of course it is. It's Panos Cosmo. Yeah. <laughs> right? uh, so that was Peter Weller as the as the old man. Um, a great cast. The, the, the doctor. Uh, I forget her name, but she's been in a bunch of movies like The Mummy. Oh, she was so cool and nerdy. <laughs> she's great. Um, and then Eric Andre was just fantastic. Uh, and then I, I really liked the Asian girl. The astrophysicist. Oh, the nerdy one. Yeah, she cool. was probably my favorite. Yeah, me too. Um, anyways, uh, it, it was like this. This this uh, movie could easily fit into Panos Cosmatos's like sci-fi weird world that he's already created with with Mandy and uh, and Beyond the Black Rainbow. Because um, in, in the look. You got a lot of lens flaring. You got you got like colors, and, and I mean, it's just a trip, just like the other two movies. I was so delighted. It was such a surprise when you told me uh, to watch that. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you liked it, man. That's that was I, awesome. I, and then the synth sound sound uh, soundtrack, of course, just 
chef's kiss perfect um, and it, it looked like it looked a lot like mandy too you know it's like those kind of like really slow-mo like kind of psychedelic kind of yeah color lens he did like he did things like overlaying the background again over it's like he did a lot of things with like layers of of film like I, I have no idea how these things are accomplished. I told but, my girl, I was watching it with, uh, when I had, I think when I had COVID and I was like telling my girlfriend, my girlfriend's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, oh, this, I'm watching Panos Cosmatos. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, the, my, my only critique really is that uh, the dialogue was so weird. Hmm. Like some of the stuff that guys would say was just, people wouldn't say that. I, I don't know. It just felt... Uh, weird and i think it was i think it felt intentional too i can't think of a good example but uh the guy's like he's probing my mind and his head explodes (laughs) i mean holy crap yeah that was something else um yeah so those those are my top three uh that that that, uh, i'm gushing about that i've watched in the past couple weeks um curtis what about you so I watched a couple ones. So I watched uh, Cabinet of Curiosities too, and I also really enjoyed it, especially that episode. Uh, there was another really good episode too with Martin Starr uh, from Silicon Valley. Uh, it's called uh, The Outside too. Uh, really interesting. It was about kind of the pressure that women have, you know, to to you know always appear attractive and, and you know appear well liked too. And I thought it was a really good feminist episode. And I, I love the show in general. I think it was really good. I think uh, I, I love seeing Guillermo del Tour. He do like each of the introductions and he's so cute because he has like these thick glasses and he's like this big guy and he's like, he'll say like these little kind of obvious proverbs. It's like greed is the destruction of humanity or something. And <laughs> and then like introduce each episode. And so that was really nice. And they had, it was, it was a lot of fun. Most of the episodes were good. I don't know. I'm always very picky with my HP Lovecraft episodes. He did two adaptations and I was excited for them, but I think they were probably two of my least favorite episodes. Uh, but overall, I think it was a good series and I would recommend it definitely. Uh, is, I think, there, is there one with a giant rat? Yeah, there's there's a giant rat. That's the second one. I think it's is called Graveyard. Yeah, it's very good. It's like set in Victorian England, I think, or oh, Victorian cool. America. And it's like this kind of scumbag grave digger who like steals everyone's stuff and he ends up in like he ends up in well, I won't spoil it, but um, okay, it's sign good. me up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna it's, watch that it's tonight. Episode two, yeah. So let me know what you think. And uh, I also watched um, uh, Resurrection, which was a new Shutter film. Uh, this is starring I always get her name wrong. I think it's Jerry Hall. She was in uh, Vicky Cristina Barcelona, and uh, the great uh, Tim Roth from uh, Reservoir Dogs and Made in Britain too. Just two powerhouses. Just they're such great actors. It was kind of an uneven film. It's about basically this woman, and she's like uh, head of, she's like CEO of this company, and she seems to be doing really well. But she had this like very, very toxic, abusive ex ex boyfriend, and she's still kind of traumatized by that. And we don't know if she's like uh, hallucinating or not, or just suffering from trauma. But he kind of comes back into her life too, and he says that you know he ate her baby, and the baby's inside of him, and it's really weird. And uh, he, try, he, stalk, he stalks her daughter and her daughter, you know, she, she starts to become more unhinged. So you don't know if she's hallucinating or if it's actually happening. Weird things. He like takes his tooth out and puts it in her wallet. I don't know. Like so, some of it really didn't make sense. Like well, there's one scene where the daughter finds like a tooth in her wallet. And I was like, what, what is that? What? <laughs> I don't really get it. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's worth watching just for the two uh, main performers. I think that was really good. I also watched, um, Michael Flynn's Holy War. It's a, I really like watching those frontline PBS documentaries. PBS has so much good stuff. And this is a, 
what a real turd of an individual. I think he was in the Iraq war. He was this celebrated kind of general. And then when Trump came along, he kind of went, you know, all the way far right conspiracy theorist. And uh, this is about his kind of rise and kind of his influence. And he's kind of one of those little kind of Christian nationalists. And uh, yeah, just a real piece of work, I think. And they interviewed him too. And I thought, well, you know, maybe he's this general, he has, you know, something to say, but no, he's just, <laughs> he just, uh, he was just like a really insecure loser. And I was like, this guy, like, why do people listen to him? You know? So uh, that was really good. It was really informative, but you know, these, uh, these kind of documentaries are always very heavy too. Um, so then I watched um, Ginger Snaps, which is one of my favorite Canadian horror movies. I think we'll probably do an episode of it next uh, October because it's my favorite uh, werewolf movie, my favorite Canadian movie, and my favorite horror movie. So uh, I watched it with my girlfriend and it's quite uh, it's quite morbid. So I wasn't sure if she'd like it, but she had a lot of fun with it, too. And it's it's very Canadian. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth watching. The first sequel is really good, too. And they did a second sequel, which is like set further back in time. And yeah. I, the final thing I watched this week was called Emily the Criminal. And I loved Emily the Criminal, kind of like uh, a little bit like Breaking Bad a little bit. Um, so it stars uh, Audrey Plaza, who's usually a comedian. Oh, um, she's in it? Yeah, she's oh, the main star. She's I great. Watched, oh, I should have watched yeah, she, She's a comedian. <laughs> but what I noticed, too, and we saw this with the, uh, the Cabinet of Curiosities episode, too. A lot of these comedians kind of have like this really dark energy too and they, they channel it really well into serious roles and i think this is a really good example of that too because she plays emily and she's she's fantastic she's not like a likable character but you can empathize with her too it's a millennial film too so this woman you know she's she's living in the u.s and she you know she lives with like 10 housemates she's crushing student debt seventy thousand dollars in debt um she has a doi so she can't get a really good job uh, she she has to work these awful independent hour contracts, and the boss reminds her that she's not unionized, which is pretty shitty. And she has this unpaid uh, she has an interview for an unpaid internship, and she asks a lot of questions. I think that a lot of us would ask. It's like you know if if this internship's so important, put me on the fucking payroll, <laughs> which is pretty too or another or pretty true. And then another thing she says is, uh, "Motherfuckers keep taking and taking and taking from you and take you make the goddamn rules yourself," <laughs> which is pretty interesting. But I think. Um, you know, you still kind of empathize and root for her because we know how it feels to be exploited and overworked by like, a lot of these kind of dead-end jobs in the system and have a lot of these dreams. She wants to go to uh, South America, but she doesn't have the means to do it that are unattainable yet not kind of possible with our current lifestyles too. So I was filled with kind of a lot of anxiety and dread when I was watching it too. I didn't know what was going to happen next. So basically she turns to the under the criminal underworld. She starts getting involved with the credit card uh, fraud ring and really really interesting and she kind of went goes deeper and deeper into the criminal network and you don't know what's going to happen but there's obviously going to be consequences so it kind of reminded me of breaking bad and nomad land and this kind of criticism and and cynicism of kind of the american uh economy and 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 market too but it also has this very uh, un unexpected kind of bittersweet ending that gives a certain catharsis too so i think it's a very good movie and i think emily is kind of a force to be reckoned with and i think it's definitely worth watching if you come across it what did you watch this week, John? Yeah, so I'll actually just realize there's a few things I watched uh, prior to last week that I forgot to mention, so I threw them on my list. Um, it was my birthday a few weeks ago, and I happened to share a birthday with uh, one of my favorite figures, which is Godzilla. So I watched uh, <laughs> on Shout Factory TV. If you don't know, there's a Shout Factory is the distribution label. They also have a free streaming app that you can get on a lot of the platforms, and they have a bunch of like kind of 
Bree stuff, but they did a special feature over the month of November. I think they did my birthday and they did like a few days in a row, uh, hosted by John Carpenter called Masters of Monsters, which they aired a bunch of kaiju films. Uh, the first one that I watched on my birthday was Godzilla, the original one. Um, I think I've talked about the original Godzilla before on the rewatches. One of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, probably, I would say I'd make it a, one of my canon episodes, but maybe we'll do an episode talking some of the Godzilla films like in the in the um, in the original era. But uh, the first Godzilla is just a great movie, of course. Uh, holds up incredibly well. Very dark, very dour. Um, I think people come to it expecting something else because if you grew up as a kid watching on TV, on the drive-in, like kind of the the crappy rips of the Godzilla. A lot of people, like me and myself included, I grew up kind of watching these and not taking these too seriously. They're pretty fun, can be, but they're actually incredibly well-made films um, by Ishiro Honda. And this one in particular, the original one, is such an emotional film. It's so beautiful um, and so bleak and dark at the same time. Like I, every time near the end when they show the radio uh, program where all the kids are singing and they're airing it across the country, I get really like choked up because like you take for granted this film came out roughly a decade after the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And, you know, the actors, it's even remarked on in, in the story when one of the women after they flee the island, she's like, oh, I I had to flee my town because of Nagasaki and now this. And like you, you watch that, you're kind of I was like so guffawed by that because I was like, wow, this is like a real person who would have been old enough to experience that. Like literally, like, yeah, wow, I had to like flee my town that was destroyed by a nuclear bomb. And now I, now this monster shows up. It's it's so brutal. And I'm, I'm really glad now that, you know, in recent years, we've gotten stuff like uh, Shin Godzilla. And they, they've actually just speculated there was on Godzilla Day. They had a little like blurb of what looks like could be the sequel to that. So I'm happy that they're still keeping this great franchise going and they're taking it in a much more kind of dour, serious direction. I like all iterations of Godzilla, but the first one is just my favorite. And I got to say, though, watching it on the, the whole Masters of Monsters series, John Carpenter, if you don't know Godzilla, I think he probably would have had a good time because he did give some trivia. But I, knowing a lot of Godzilla, I didn't learn anything new. And he, John Carver just kind of felt like he just showed up. It was kind of like, <laughs> thanks, oh, for, yeah. th thanks for coming out. <laughs> yeah, like it was like very small. It wasn't as big as like a Joe Bob thing where they really like cut for like five minutes to him and then come back. It was more like cut for like 20 seconds of him being like, the suit was this. And then like cuts back. I'm like, okay, well, you didn't really add a whole lot. But uh, it's good to, you know, good to see him cash a check, I guess. Um, so yeah, they probably have it on Shop Actor if you want to check it out yourself. Um, otherwise, been watching uh, some films. Uh, I did watch a, a movie on Shutter called The Seed, which came out in 2021. Um, the film, from what I've seen, people seem to overwhelmingly dislike the film. They hated it. I that's actually the, didn't that's mind what, it. That's what the teenage girls, right? Is that the one? Yeah, it's these group of women, young. I don't. I don't think. I think they're in their twenties. They're, oh, maybe, they're yeah. staying at this uh, this friend's house uh, in the Moab Desert. And one of the women is like a you know influencer girl. She's like trying to live stream to her friends. They're they're there to watch this like kind of um, comet or meteor shower that's happening. And then once the meteor shower starts, for some reason, technology they start having issues. None of their internet works. Their phones don't work. And then as it's happening, all of a sudden this object lands in a pool that's on their property. And they, it, to cut a long story short, they like they find this creature. It's almost like a little like Cthulhu hedgehog thing. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to spoil the movie, but like crazy shit ensues. Um, I actually really dug it. And actually one of, I'll give a shout out to one of the guys I follow on, on Letterboxd, Sofa Cinema, who um, was one of the few people that I follow who liked this film, just like I did. And he kind of noted that 
you know, this film is really inspired and, and deferential to like the works of like Frank Henlenhotter and, and like Brian Usna, like a lot of those 80s like basket case, those like splatter, goopy, like um ghoulies type movies. Like I, I really enjoyed that aspect of this. I like that it had this kind of a night of the comets feel to it too, isn't there? Like kind of with the kind of humor and maybe a little bit yeah it it doesn't take itself too seriously it's pretty much mostly a black comedy i think people had a problem with the performances and i don't think they're the script is that great especially the beginning but i like the idea of like a weird sex monster cthulhu (laughs) teddy bear thing i don't know i I liked it i kind (laughs) of wish it was weirder and more (laughs) twisted it was on it was on my periphery yeah it actually had kind of i liked i thought it had kind of a strong ending again like the cast is pretty obnoxious like (laughs) but uh, if we're gonna get these like schlocky made for tv like shutter films like i want to see them do something kind of fun and it has a little bit of stuff like a little bit of cosmic stuff going on that almost a little bit reminded me like panos cosmatos it didn't do too much of that though and i kind of wish like it had went more full tilt towards that it kind of felt like in some ways like this might have worked better as like a short film, like it had a good proof of concept, but I, I thought it was okay. It wasn't like a three-star movie, but I, I actually enjoyed it. And then um been watching a lot of TV recently. I've uh, been watching uh, some stuff. So uh, the first one I watched, long-awaited, it's been on my bucket list for so long. I watched pretty much everything else he's done. So I was kind of saving myself. I was waiting to the to the autumn season. Started watching Twin Peaks. I've been watching season oh, one right. of Twin Peaks. I actually Excellent. just finished season one, starting season two. Uh, yeah, Twin Peaks, I mean- Folks, the, the masses aren't wrong. It's popular for a reason. And yeah, it's really good. Um, coming into this, having watched almost all of the David Lynch stuff, it it feels like him. It was, of course, created by uh, him and Mark Frost. Mark Frost, of course, was a writer, creator of Hill Street Blues. You know, it's kind of weird to watch this sh- show show coming, you know, 30 years in the past and seeing its influence on a lot of, you know, serialized television to come. I know uh, the creator of The Sopranos talking about his dream sequences cited like Twin Peaks is like a big reference for what they did for their stuff on that show and yeah i mean the show still holds up incredibly well it's still it's it's a really fun engaging story it's um if you've never seen it don't know anything about it just a kind of really high level overview uh, it takes place in the small pacific northwest town called twin peaks and a young woman a teenager in town called laura palmer has been found dead and the film investigates what happened to this girl and there's this whole big cast of strange characters in this town uh, from different you know law enforcement officers to just regular citizens family and friends of, of laura and also kind of more seedy figures involved there's like a we find out there's like a real seedy underbelly to this town of criminals and also kind of high level business people that are corrupt and it's also really funny as you'd expect it's actually really i i, I probably spend more time laughing than i do uh tense but it, it's a lot of fun a great cast and obviously like uh Kyle McLaughlin is Dale Cooper. He's, he's so great. And his entrance in the show is so iconic and, and fun. Um, I really enjoy the first season. It's I think the first season is only about eight episodes. So I was like watching, yeah, watching season, of it. And then it ended. Two, I was like, season two is like 22 episodes. So it's kind of like real. Long, I'm only, long. I, and I just watched the pilot of season two. And I got to say the pilot of season two smoked everything else. So I'm like, <laughs> everyone's telling me season two sucks. And I'm like, I don't yeah, know what people are smoking. It's okay. It's okay. Two, I think pilot incredible shit so I, I think season three is really good too but it just like it just needed an editor i think but it is really good <laughs> but uh, yeah but I'll, I'll say i i enjoyed it a lot it's kind of funny because uh i watched a you know it's funny that um about the uh the viewing uh you know it had all the it had all the beats and elements of a real movie they <laughs> i think in a, in a real movie what would have happened was that the thing would have cracked open and then it would have chased everybody around the house for half an hour. 
But yeah. instead, it, we you know we fast forwarded and killed killed half the people. Then two, a couple people escaped, and then the guy got infected. Well, they were so like he was so confident about it too, and then he just they just like killed everyone. And then like that the nerdy girl got away, and I was like fucking a. The nerdy man. girl and Eric Andre <laughs> who were the only they were really the only two good people there. Yeah, because other one you know like when they killed that that obnoxious doctor guy, I was like good fucking riddance. <laughs> but then they oh, killed everyone he, else too, and I was he like was so, he was so pretentious. He's <laughs> like I feel that there's a lot of energy coming off this you're not the last five minutes welcome back john twin peaks folks check it out really fun um really great Agent performances Dale too <laughs> the performance the music everything every element of the show is so good and like just from the beginning the title card through onward i mean maybe we should do an episode just talking about the first season because like there's so much shit we could talk about um so, someone yeah. said i looked like kyle mclaughlin once and that was like the best compliment i've ever heard i was like oh, oh man like if kyle i got McLaughlin. that <laughs> I, I look more like heart, Jack Nance, unfortunately. My heart's like yeah. fluttering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> at, least, at least I don't look like the guy behind the lady behind Winky's bar. So at least I don't you don't look, look like Killer that. Bob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my hair's getting long enough. I could pass for him. Uh, so that's Twin Peaks season one. I'm. Ex- I, I will say, I'm little. I guess early season two. The season two fucking pilot episode is like. It's probably up there. That's the the owls are not what they seem, right? That's the. uh, Oh, my God. Incredible episode. Like it's it's some of the if you're looking at it, that episode as its own thing, like one of the best things Lynch ever did. And also the I will also know Twin Peaks season one. uh, The for the pilot episode was actually released limitedly. And I think in Europe as its own like movie, almost like they released a tape with just the pilot kind of with with an extended ending. Like it's actually an alternate ending that actually wraps up the story. Um, So I was watching on YouTube like this is actually pretty fun. So if you actually want to kind of watch it as like a movie, you can watch the whole thing or you can actually watch the kind of alternate released pilot. That's sort of like its own self-contained story. But definitely watch a show really great I'll, I'll shut up about it now but i was also checking out the newest season on the hulu show the handmaid's tale which just came out um and i gotta say i loved it i don't i don't know i know the, the show is kind of schlocky but to me i think it might have been my favorite season since season one at least i find the first three seasons well i've enjoyed them in some ways they felt a little stale because a lot of it's like okay we're back in gilead you know june is still experiencing horrific are, are conditions they, are they adapting the the second book too or is that just is it just kind of free free well i, I haven't read right <laughs> i haven't read the uh the testaments but my understanding is the the new season heading that it's heading into which is gonna be last season very likely could either tie into a new show or maybe it'll just be wholly on the testament. So, but I haven't read the book, so I don't know. But my understanding is the last book time skips a bit. So I don't know if they're going to like end this show and then start up like a separate series. Maybe they would do something like that. But I got to say, I really enjoyed season five. Um, it was really fun now having, I guess this is a spoiler, but whatever, the show's been on. June is, of course, now escaped Gilead seemingly permanently. She's now living in Toronto with her family and their daughter. And she's still trying to get back to Gilead because, of course, her daughter's there. And the, there's a little bit more like political intrigue in this one like seeing you know now on Bradley Whitford so good as Commander Lawrence his kind of control over Gilead the reformations are trying to do it's kind of showing you know Gilead is almost like a a country that you know it, it, it exists no matter what but how can change come from within and it's kind of showing can change really come from within can people pushing back against these institutions from within no matter how horrid they are can they actually do anything to change them while also showing and i think the show you know it was shot and filmed i think during 2021 kind of and early this year um i think benefited a lot you know shot on location in toronto i think it benefited a lot from the convoy because there's a whole subplot about rising anti-refugee settlement in toronto and they're shouting at her you know go home americans they're honking their horns trucks are outside honking and oh, you know dear. you can't help but draw parallels to what we went through and 
man, the, the finale was such a bleak ending. Like if you're anyone who's concerned about rising fascism in Canada, you're like, fuck, well, this is like the worst case scenario. It's like the world has gone to shit. And um, I really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to um, the, the the finale, the, 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 the last season of the show. I've really enjoyed it. Great performances. Elizabeth Moss is great. And she uh, directs a few episodes as well too. I'm excited to kind of see more of her uh, filmmaking because I think she's such a great uh, creative person and I just loved all the the performances as well too um, really great performance by the character the actor who plays Luke I thought he did a great job as well as um, uh, Yvonne Stravowski as, as Serena and kind of I don't want to spoil but a role where you know she's been such a main antagonist this whole time that you know seeing her more blended role was a lot of fun uh, but yeah overall great great time um, if you haven't watched any of the show you can you know binge binge the whole damn thing a little bleak at times especially the earlier seasons but the most recent season uh, a little bit less like institutionalized rape and stuff with our lighter fare. It's like Halloween 3. Halloween 3, of course, the third sequel to uh, this this Halloween franchise. Um, I, I did have a question for you guys, though. Have Was this your first time watching Halloween 3? Have you guys seen Halloween 3 before? Yeah, I'd, see, I'd seen clips of it, I think. I think I tried watching it a while back, and I, I couldn't get into it. So it was kind of fun. I actually, I did watch it from beginning to end this time, too. So, uh, yeah, so it was like my full... <laughs> Exactly what Curtis said. <laughs> yeah. Same thing here. I've seen clips of it. Uh, tried to watch it. Once. Yeah, I'd watched the YouTube clip. I think where they had that scene where the kid is like, watch, it has the mask on, and it's like there's like fucking python comes out of his. Oh brain. yeah, the bugs and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the best part of the movie. You think you have a headache? Well, this kid has a headache. Yeah, for me, I had a really interesting time with this film. As a kid, uh, my parents had this film on tape, and I believe they had Halloween one on tape, but. I think I, this was actually the first Halloween movie that I watched because I remember this movie was sold to me from my mom. It's like, oh, this is the one without Michael Myers. And I was like, who the fuck is Michael Myers? Not using the F word. I was like six years old, but I didn't know who Michael Myers was. I was a child. I was like, he just existed as like a figure, someone that I was like cognizant of, but had no idea who they were. So this was actually the first Halloween I watched as a kid. And I always loved this film. And I was kind of disheartened growing up that people actually fucking hate this film. And for many years, people <laughs> thought this film was trash. Now, of course, people have come around to it. I've seen now a lot of people talk about this film being one of the better sequels. Um, but as you note, as I just kind of spoiled, this is the one without Michael Myers. So uh, there's I feel like all the main horror franchises, even like Friday and, and Nightmare, they all have that weird kind of oddball movie that kind of exists almost like outside. The rest yeah, the, of them. there's like that, like Friday the Thirteenth film with like <laughs> Corey Feldman too. Like, yeah, and it's which like, I really like actually, but <laughs> yeah, the the one without Jason. I don't want to spoil too much, but that's <laughs> sort of the selling point of that is the people. That's kind of now the oddball one, and even Friday the, or even Nightmare on Elm Street with like right the seek the second one where it's the direct kind of sequel to the first one, but it doesn't have anything really to do with the rest of the series. It's kind of its own thing. It, it even feels like totally like a little bit of a more dour body horror movie like the rest of them are kind of wackier and sillier it totally it feels totally different so i feel like all these franchises have like one oddball one and this is the oddball one of the halloween films for sure oh it looks like quinn's joining so i'll get him uh hey quinn hey buddy okay sweet yeah sorry i'm late i'm here uh yeah let's that's talk important halloween. that's important thing <laughs> yeah Hell yeah yeah um I, i'll guess I'll, I'll kick it back off where i was i'll give i'll just say quinn uh just joined us so welcome quinn glad great to have you on talking halloween three uh much to the chagrin of everyone else he's like fuck this movie i i, I was the one who really <laughs> want to talk about this damn movie but uh 
Yeah, so there's kind of an interesting background in Halloween 3 because, of course, Hill, Deborah Hill, John Carpenter created Halloween, the first film. Carpenter directed it. Didn't direct the second one, but they're the main producers on the films. Um, the original intention behind Halloween from Carpenter's perspective was to make it uh, kind of like an anthology series where each film would be like its own story and to to totally different type of horror. Um, of course, Halloween was such a huge hit that they really like, you know, crank out a sequel. We need a sequel. Michael Myers is back. Um, but for this one, uh, they wanted to make a totally different film. They actually would only come back to direct a sequel if they could make it their own thing. Um, again, much to the chagrin of the other producers, the executives and stuff. But nonetheless, they greenlit it to give it, they gave it a big budget. Um, once again, shot by Dean Cunningham. The film looks great at like rewatching it. I'm like, it's shot in like the two, three, three, five, one. It, like it's all widescreen. It looks pretty good. It looks, it looks great. Um, and this one, of course, Different style of horror as well, too. This one is like a story of this uh, this town. I can't remember the name of the town offhand, but uh, where there's this company, the Silver Shamrock Factory, that kind of dominates over this small this town. And and they, they're this big producer of Halloween merchandise. They're selling masks. And uh, we the film starts off with this man who's sort of running away from this factory and, you know, seemingly in distress. And he ends up getting... Um, grabbed by this man he's trying to kill him and he the, anyways to get to cut a cut, long story short this guy's in the hospital and this doctor who is kind of our main protagonist uh dr dan uh, played by tom atkins who uh um is tending to this man uh harry his daughter ends up showing up later in the film she thinks there's some kind of weird conspiracy something going on why would he run away why was he holding a piece of the why was he why did he grab a mask with him and this kind of kicks off this whole kind of weird paranormal it's almost like a british horror style movie like <laughs> I, I mean carpenter himself was influenced by like the nigel neal and like the alan quartermass and this film feels a lot like that um he was influenced carpenter's influence when working on the script for this film to kind of go for something that was more psychological shocking rather than just like a slasher film and uh but they did there was a lot of rewrites and stuff because they wanted a lot more gore and there's <laughs> a great scene where i think a guy gets his head like ripped off or something and i was like cheering i was like yeah was i love good, a good, good i love a good decapitation <laughs> via rip off so that, that was fun but uh yeah this film ends up being more like almost like an invasion of the body snatchers type film like the don mm -hmm. siegel one it feels very like trust no one and it, you know you kind of get well, into this idea i, of I have this to say big, that I have to say too, for like a film that's like going without Michael Myers, like, I mean, I didn't like this film, but I have to admire the ambition of it too, because like, it would have been kind of cool to see like this kind of anthology series kick off, you know, like where they have like different ideas too. Cause I mean, I really did admire that they were trying to do something different with this, this installment too. But it yeah. was like, like what well, a batshit crazy idea <laughs> of, of using which right, get, get using Stonehenge, little bits of Stonehenge, <laughs> in your computer chips to make witchcraft to kill little <laughs> kids for profit i don't know but it's pretty wacko <laughs> yeah this film has like i mean technology is such a big part of this film and kind of the confluence between you know traditional like the druid horrors versus sort of more technological or even the title card is that great uh intro with the synths with the pumpkin and it's all like computer I thought that was layers. great. I love it's that. So part. good. Yeah. Like it's incredible. And it comes in pretty late in the film, too. It's like 20 minutes in. You're like, also you're like, it, all right. In the intro is uh the cover of the the movie itself, where you have the the silhouettes of the kids trick-or-treating and the girl with a witch hat with mm -hmm. the sunset behind them. Um, that's that was a really great shot. And yeah. uh it's, it's on the cover of the film. 
Um, but you see it in the movie with the opening credits. And uh, I was impressed with that as well. Yeah, I forgot it was an actual shot in the film. I will say, like, again, this is shot by Dean Cundey, so visually looks a lot like the first two Halloweens. A lot of, like, autumnal colors, like a lot of orange and red. It, it feels very, like, vibrant and very Halloween. Just, it, it, I will say so far for all the Halloween movies I've watched, they do a good job at nailing down kind of the vibe of the Halloween season. Like, it makes you want to watch it. And when I watch it, I feel like I'm I'm in Halloween. This film doesn't take place on Halloween. It takes place fucking eight days before Halloween. We got to go through a lot of days <laughs> in this movie. And there's a scene where it's like, I think it's like October like 25th. And then a minute later, it's like 26th evening. And he's at the bar. I'm like, why would you even like, why does it skip so many days? It's just like <laughs> that kind of took me out of it a bit. But can I just talk about like Tom Atkins for a second? There used to be a time in America where a, a sweaty gym coach looking man with an out drinking problem could be a major suave lead in a film and that time is now long since past us but goddamn tom atkins he's so funny in this film hilarious um, this has this like weird like doctor who's just like a total alcoholic booze hound um it constantly acting inappropriately with everyone around him um he's such a weird but he's very likable at the same time but it's kind of a funny uh thing watching him in this because he plays not unlike his character in the fog but somehow infinitely more charming in the fog than in, in this one i'd say but it's such an interesting thing to think about him as this protagonist this movie because he's not a typical uh leading man i think if this was made today you'd have like a i don't know you'd have like an ethan hawk or someone in that role someone sleeker someone a little bit more refined uh you you don't get tom atkins style uh leads in these big franchise leading films anymore which uh i don't know yeah, to he, me is a bit he of a shame. come around on me uh in my later years i grew, you know grew up watching him in movies and he was always the cheese ball guy with a mustache you know to me <laughs> you know but now yeah, I'm like, he's oh, like your no, neighbor's no, dad or something yeah 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 but now i'm like oh it's the great tom atkins but i gotta oh. say i was a little uncomfortable watching him like oh yeah with stacy he's like sex. 20 yeah having sex he's like she's 20 and he's like 45 at least yeah well he's yeah, kind of creepy he, he would get so canceled in today's society yeah it's just a whole lot whatsoever <laughs> because like because like like that scene when uh he's like sm smacking uh ellie or whatever and it's like <laughs> he's like he just like backhands her arm and it like comes off and it's like got like the little bone and it's moving uh, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then he's just like <laughs> knocks Knocks her in the, the face and then like her head falls off and like whatever and like yeah dude and even like look back to the fog he just like, like randomly picks jamie lee curtis up and jamie yeah they lee shack curtis, up like, yeah yeah and she's like she's like are you weird like you know it's like that line it's like are you weird then the next scene he's like oh no they're they're in bed they shag you know like everything's just like everything's fun <laughs> I, he's, he's, I, just, I, he's a well I, it's funny because um also in in search of darkness that documentary that's great horror films they interview tom atkins and he even says he's like i was able to schmooze the ladies in the 80s and i'm like yeah well well this is exactly it like he you was, were that guy he had that animal magnetism i don't know what it was yeah. but it was funny because I, I was thinking about the fog and in the fog again it's another role where he's this hitchhiker he picks up a young hitchhiker big age gap somehow it's, it doesn't feel that gross in the fog i don't know what it is but there's something about tom atkins he's just this schmoozing charmer and yeah. that's a funny movie because he picks up jamie lee curtis they bang 
And then he he goes across the rest of the movie virtually unscathed, doesn't suffer any consequence. He's not even a victim of any violence. He gets so he's he just skates by. In this film, of course, he has a much more uh, kind of important role. But yeah, that kind of gauge gap relationship between him and 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 uh, Ellie in this film, uh, very odd. Uh, it, I, I got a lot of vibes when I was rewatching this for the because I, I hadn't watched it in so many years. But I, I of course I just rewatched The Sopranos, and I kind of he gave me like Tony vibes at times. Like he's just like got some issues going on behind the scenes he's got a he's got a drinking problem he's like obsessed with young women like I, this guy's got some tony um he needs to talk to dr melfi or something i don't know but um but anyways this film gets into this whole plot of this um days leading up to halloween we get these silver shamrock commercials these jingles that constantly play like a little earworm in your head i love the little silver shamrock jingle that keeps going on and on uh, but as we talked about there's this bigger conspiracy at foot. Turns out these masks, which have these little like chips on them, they have a fragment of Stonehenge. And the idea is uh, there's going to be some penultimate moment when, you know, on Halloween, they're saying, you know, make sure you're watching this commercial, put your mask on. And what's going to happen? It's going to cause this weird, uh, strange phenomenon to happen that's going to kill children. And it's this very dangerous plot. And the only man who could stop it is Tom Atkins. So Tom Atkins and, and Ellie, because of course her father, of course, later gets killed in this. That's a pretty gross scene too, where he gets like killed by the robot or even the, 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 the woman, when they go to that town with the, she's looking at the chip or whatever, and like shoots the laser in her mouth. And oh yeah, that was her mouth. there's some pretty good, like, I, I'm not a, usually the biggest Tommy Lee Wallace guy. He's the director of this. He's kind of like a carpenter B man. Like he's just like the carpenter junior and a lot of his films i don't he's not much of an auteur but i do think this is probably like his best movie like i i think it's a technically like a really well done movie like it's shot looks great um it's got some really the, great uh, effects i enjoyed the john carpenter music and and the john carpenter stingers you know yeah it exists in the diegesis of this film it's like halloween is in this film that yes. is just a there's a car there's an actual director john carpenter somewhere in this film's universe i guess so that I enjoyed that a lot. I love when films like do that with the prior movies. Um, and yeah, and then of course they go to this town and you know, we meet uh the main the big bad of this film, the the Conal Cochran, who is so funny. Um, he's this like white-haired, mysterious man. And the, I think when they get to the town, it's really well done. Like it's so foreboarding the foreboding the idea of this like industrial factory that's dominating this kind of small town America, even a little bit of stuff about surveillance state with the cameras everywhere. Um, it, 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 that part of the film like felt really fresh to me, and um, and of course it leads up to that great moment where they get that little test uh, showing of the mask where the kid his head turns to goo and there's snakes everywhere. I I remember watching it as a kid and that scene really scared the crap out of me. Um, and it's I guess we were talking about it's kind of like the biggest scene of the film because you don't expect a kid to get killed on screen via goopy head syndrome. So that was a that was a pure highlight. I no did think <laughs> I did think that the kind of when we find out the spoiler, well when Ellie, when we find out she's a robot or an android, I guess, that whole I didn't know when like that transition happened. It's like, is it implied that she got killed and was replaced or is it is it implied yeah I think it's kind of like a, an android? I think it's like a body snatcher moment. Like she suddenly just got yeah. replaced. That's what I think. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, you don't, it makes you, you know, you can't really trust anyone. It's, it, again, it's that idea of this, like, Don Siegel influence of feeling like this body snatcher movie where, you know, who's, you know, can you trust, you know, is there anyone out there that can st- save save the day or stop anything? It's this idea of, like, there can only be one person who knows what's going on and everyone else is, like, helpless to this thing that's going to happen. 
Um, and the music in this is really good too. I love the score. It, once again, we got John Carpenter, Alan Horvath back doing the the music. It's a little bit like synthier at times too. I, I really, I really <laughs> dug it. A little bit more upbeat, I think. And uh, some fun cameos too from some other John Carpenter actors. I mean, obviously Tom Atkins has been in stuff, but uh, Nancy Keys, he plays uh, Linda. She's uh, she was uh, in in Halloween playing Nancy and uh, Dick Warlock, who plays an android assassin. It's kind of like one of the main like henchmen. He played uh, Mike Myers in the last Halloween movie, so I thought that was kind of a little fun little appearance, uh, little appearance for him there. And actually, apparently, I think Jamie Lee Curtis actually does the 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 loudspeaker narration when they're in the town, the factory. Um, Kind she of like the, the, uh, she also plays the the uh, operator on the phone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right too. And uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, also the director himself, is the voice when they do this Silver Shamrock commercial. The voice that comes in the after. Okay, kids, that's actually him. And yeah, that's a great scene where that shows the montage of all the different cities across America, and we get like L.A. where it's like that beautiful background of the kids running around. Um, it's kind of funny though. It's only three masks though. I, this popular product, which is just <laughs> that's what I was thinking. It's like three goofy <laughs> ass masks you can get anywhere. It's kind of, I, it's kind of the inter, the aesthetics are kind of interesting too because it kind of reminded me of those some of those like uh, you know those really early like 20th century like creepy Halloween costumes. You know, like yeah, <laughs> you always see it with the black and white. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's kind yeah, of they got, like they got Easter bunny stuff. ones. exactly Uh, easter bunny looks like satan himself (laughs) and i think the film kind of has its like themes pretty like it it, kind of hits you over the head with its themes this one is very explicitly like looking at you know halloween much like we've seen a lot of christmas movies like looking at commercialism of the season halloween is obviously all about commercialism it's the idea of you know buying crap for children and trick-or-treating and it's the idea of you know companies and corporations appealing to children via you know commercials and television and you know the and the film really kind of looks at uh these companies and these big conglomerates and explicitly evil and demonic in this film and you know colonel cochran's plot what i actually kind of like about his plot is that it doesn't make any sense like you know he wants to kill all the children on halloween you know as this kind of ritual sacrifice as you know to gain power um and you know you you think to yourself like well what's going to happen after okay all the kids are dead that's one night like it's over and i kind of like that aspect of it the idea of like there's this horrific event that's going to just murder millions of people that there's like almost like no reason for it like once it's over it's over and something about that just like deeply unsettles me to an extent like that there is no deeper mechanism it is just this whole setup just for this ritual sacrifice and it's i've got a theory though i've got a theory The, the old guy um, so when Tom Atkins tried to disrupt the, the ritual going on by dumping all the p- computer chips in there, um, the old guy was standing down there and he looked up at him and he, he gave him a little golf clap. Yeah. And then he like got consumed by Heard all the paper mache yeah. <laughs> energy. And I think he disappeared. Um, I, I, I think that, that he, he won. I think that yeah, he, I, he is a victory. He, tra- yeah. he, he transcended to the next level whether you know whatever that is you know you went to valhalla yeah. or or the witch city or i don't know but i, th- I think that was the whole point of it and he won and then yeah uh, it's a typical ending for sure like yeah it's a so ending. It's, it's certainly open to interpretation um you know he might have just gotten killed <laughs> but, yeah it's a bit ambiguous but i yeah i read it the same way i think it's you know he he came out on top and i mean even the ending is tom atkins again it's a bit of an analog to the opening of the film where the man's running out of the factory he's now 
running away desperately calling i don't know the head of networks apparently tom atkins gets a speed dial to like Jeff Zucker or whatever. i didn't know you but... could look up the, the, the phone the phone number just yes nbc <laughs> president change this take his program off but tom atkins like let me, let me call the next station <laughs> but it's such a fucking bleak ending because it's him you know desperately trying to take the, the the commercial off and it's you know it ends that great moment where he's like he's like turn it off turn it off and it's too late it's already playing i guess it's a little bit ambiguous did he actually succeed but uh, to me it's it's an ending where everyone died so i that's why to me I think yeah it's just so um, such a fun uh, bleak ending and even when they're in that town it gets a little bit scooby-doo-ish which i really dug like when him and ellie are kind of like hiding behind the mask cart and, like walking around or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they're just sneaking around like he's the, like the world's biggest spy like <laughs> crawling up to like the control panels and dialing them it feels very like saturday morning cartoon yeah, i do i, think, I mean the movie takes myself seriously but not too seriously I was thinking to myself, would that really work? Hiding behind the mask thing and pushing it along, no one would notice. I'm like, I'm like, like uh, no, no, that wouldn't work. But it was funny to see. Is I like that. Yeah, uh, and this film, of course, a lot, a lot of stuff going on in this. No, no, Michael Myers, different film. When it came out, um, didn't do very well. I think it did. It did moderately okay. You know, it had Halloween, but compared to the other three films, the other two before it, uh, didn't do nearly as well. A lot of the horrors that came out around that same time. I mean, we had stuff like Friday the 13th Part 3D, uh, Poltergeist, Creepshow, much more successful horrors. Um, and even when this came out, a lot of people really didn't like it. They thought it was so such an odd movie. Uh, I think Vincent Canby, you know, the great writer, uh, said that, you know, Halloween 3 manages the not easy feat of being anti-children, anti-capitalism, anti-television and anti-irish all at the same time but i think uh, i have seen a read of it being like this film is like irish phobic which makes me cracks me up every time i read it i think ever um, roger our buddy roger had a had a comment about it too didn't i don't know if you have the the comment there that he had about it yeah well my comment for him is he just kind of called it a low red thriller and he he yeah. really didn't like this film like we were yeah. actually reading the review curtis shared um that he wrote in the chicago sun times and he starts off his review and i got i love roger <laughs> but kind of an idiot at times and he's just like i don't know what's going on and i'm like he's playing kind of a cinema sins role because i'm like roger this is like the most straightforward bad guy story ever like how do you what do you not get like, but uh, he seemed to, but it's an odd review because he's like, I don't know what to, I don't know what what I'm watching. This doesn't make any sense, and proceeds to in detail explain everything that's going on. I'm like, okay, you're just <laughs> you're just burying the lead. You just didn't like the film, but like, uh, he seems to like all the performances. He especially likes uh, the actress who plays Ellie, which I, I mean, actually, I'm rewatching it. I actually thought she was pretty good in this. Like, she is pretty um, has a lot of presence to her, and I think it's a good role. But I think the writing and again that whole forced romance kind of uh, lets her down there. Um, but since this film has come out, of course, as I was alluding to, has been kind of a reevaluation of it. Um, a lot of academics who've watched the film obviously see the full on kind of this is coming out you know, heart of the Reagan era, heart of industrial capitalism, of you know commercialism. The eighties was prime for Saturday morning cartoons and media for children, and the film is obviously explicitly about that. And you know, merchant co commercial merchandise for children. You know, we saw the kind of the the end of the seventies when like Star Wars came out, the idea of like licensing stuff and selling merchandise and making money through that way for 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 movies and tv and film and so this is kind of coming out that same era where you know being you know consciously aware of that and the scholars have kind of noted these critiques of that and uh there was a story in nicholas rogers he pointed kind of the film has this obviously anti-corporate message where you know this otherwise successful businessman who you know to anyone would be seen as this like really successful business figure um 
wants to promote this feature where everything is robotic and machine-like and, you know, children are controlled for, you know, both commercial and manufacture and um, kind of blends like commercial capitalism with like obsession with the occult and hatred of kids. And it has like an almost nihilistic view of like American society and culture. Almost all the characters are almost, I wouldn't say wholly unlikable, but they're all damaged and weird figures. Like Tom Atkins is like alcoholic dude who's our atypical leading investigator hero in this film and he probably has more in common with your average american small town folk than a lot of the other figures you'd see uh in this film a lot of and, similarities uh, to they live in this, this yeah very, it does it has this, it's very things. over the head but it's really good it's it really like it's it's it, ma it makes it easy to fun to get into and it makes it a little silly and campy because it's so aggressively in your face and uh, yeah, and so its reputation, of course, has now risen, um, especially I think it helps that I think Halloween 4 and onward, a lot of people don't like those films. So I feel like people coming to the series, look at the first three Halloweens, the Dean Cundey shot ones, the ones that had the, the actual direct Carpenter involvement on them, because after this film, Carpenter and Deborah Hill would sell the rights to the series. So the rest of them were all done under uh, uh, Mustafa Akkad, and there were all those produced sequels. Um, but this one, since then, has been kind of getting some reevaluation, which I think is good because for me, this was my first Halloween. So I've always loved it and I never understood the hate. And I'm glad that history is the ball is moving back towards uh, towards liking this. Um, but yeah, this film, otherwise, um, if you want to check it out, surprisingly, it's hard. I couldn't find it like streaming anywhere. So like it's unlike Halloween and even some of the later sequels, it's, it's a bit hard to come by, but you can, of course, find it. Uh, video on demand they, all the Halloween's just got a really cool blu-ray release recently through shout factory I have the first one I'm gonna hope to pick this one up uh, maybe heading into the the winter season and uh, actually even though this is kind of the weird oddball movie there have been nods to this movie in the other ones I think in the in the more recent Halloween films and uh, from apparently because I haven't seen them but the 2018 Halloween there's a trio of trick-or-treaters who are shown actually wearing the three masks the witch the skeleton and the the pumpkin and in Halloween Kills, the masks also reappear, and the silver shamrock medallion is actually visible on the mask. So uh, Halloween exists in the di diegesis of this film, and apparently silver shamrock exists in the world of Halloween. So it's like, exists oh, in the same uh -huh. world. I don't know. I, I think that's pretty fun, though. It's ha I'm happy that this is actually getting recognized as part of the, the Halloween canon, I suppose. There's always like a thoroughfare of a lot of these like um, kind of oddball offbeat movies and franchises that kind of get shunned or like we're not going to acknowledge them or talk about them but then years later people like them so it's like okay we'll talk about them we'll make them a part of it i was thinking about that in the context because i've been watching all the james bond movies on her majesty's secret service which to me is one of the best bond movies but for its time was kind of people didn't like it they thought it was different um that movie for the longest time it was like didn't exist didn't happen no one talked about it but then later in one of the later uh uh, Roger Moore movies there, there's a opening where he's at like kind of the Tracy's grave and it's sort of nodding back to that film so it's sort of like okay we get it you like it we're going to acknowledge it then uh, Fine, it only, I believe. yeah so it's like all right stop we get it you like it you don't hate it anymore we're going to take it seriously so I would love to see um, another Carpenter Halloween or something like that that's totally different that's just using this as a platform for but I guess at this point now we got enough anthology horrors out there that it makes that a bit moot but overall um it, it's it's a fun watch to me and I think it, it's got a lot going on like it has that kind of weird kind of serialized like British horror feel it has a little bit of like um the outer limits to it and even when they get to like the town 
it reminded me almost a little bit of like Psycho when like they, they go back to the Bates Motel. And there's a little bit of like an investigation mode where they're kind of like we're in this kind of like seemingly abandoned town and like what's going on. And it, it kind of gave me a bit of that. And I think this film feels a lot more in the mold of like um, in the mouth of madness and the Prince of Darkness than a lot of the other Carpenter sh- stuff, certainly. So I've always been more kind of drawn to that style of of his films. Um, anything else you guys want to mention uh, that really stood out to you on, the, on this one? That Silver Shamrock song gets stuck in your head. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That'll have to go in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, it works so well in the film. Like, it's it's such a fun hook because you, you watch it early on. You're like, cool. And it really does a good job kind of hooking you back into it. And, of course, lending a know, you know, what how far we are away hypnosis, from Halloween. Yeah. I just, like, I can't believe the movie starts eight days before Halloween. Like, could we, like, have it four days? Like, I don't know. It, it really, like, it seems like it skips. Wait, we like, need that. We day, need that Tom Atkins at the bar. After two, <laughs> after day three, it kind of goes day three to, like, six pretty quickly. I'm like, I don't <laughs> even see what the point was. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. What did you guys, uh, overall, what did you guys think of Halloween 3? We can maybe give our, our scores. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't like it that much. What I did like about it, I liked the ambition of the series. I liked a lot of the aesthetics, too. So I liked uh the kind of Halloween mask too. And you've seen that obviously influenced a lot of other films too down the road. Um, you know, obviously the, the John Carpenter is nice to have the synth score in the production too. Uh, but yeah, I just, it didn't work for me. I just felt it a little bit stale watching it. And I, I didn't, I like Tom Hopkins, but I didn't really like him as the lead, I guess in this one, he just felt a little flat and uh, yeah, I don't know. It just like, it's, it seemed a bit silly, but I mean, you know, again, it might be one of those movies where you have a few drinks and <laughs> it maybe it gets better. Uh, but yeah, I, was, I gave it a two out of five. What did you guys give it, Simon and Quinn? I gave it a three out of five. I I, I had some fun with it. I liked the uh, I, I liked the gore. I liked the music. <laughs> like Tom Atkins, except for the Tom Atkins sex scenes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of right in the middle there, you know. Like a, I'll give it a, like a C, C plus type deal. So three stars. Right on. Yeah, no, I actually uh, I agree with uh, with Simon for sure. <clears throat> I watched it on tape. Hey. Oh, boy. And uh, I have to say, I think this is a good one to have on VHS because uh, sort of of what John was saying earlier, that cozy Halloween feel. Um, I do like the shot, you know, the the silver shamrock and stuff like that. I think there's a lot of good shots in this movie. I like the credits. I think it's a pretty well-directed film. Um and uh, I do like Tom Atkins. He's just outrageous in this movie, but um, I do I do like him. Um, but yeah, I I agree with Simon. I gave it a three out of five. Um, not great, not the best, but uh, enjoyable watch. I watch it every year. I'm a big Halloween series fan, and I don't. Uh, some people, like John was saying, sort of like you know shit on this movie and all that stuff, but I don't disregard it from the series. Um, I know it doesn't have. Michael Myers, but it does have um, it does have cool kills in it. If you're like a horror gore fan, like Simon said, um, so yeah, three out of five for me. Um, pretty good movie. I enjoy watching it every year. But uh, what about you, John? Oh man, well, I obviously love love this film. I almost wanted to give it five out of five because I think this is really a perfect film, brilliant. But I will admit, the main November romance thing it, it doesn't really work that well. It's it takes you out of it a bit, and also I do think it's a little bit of a slow burn. Like the beginning has a great opening with the man running away, Harry, and he gets like knocked unconscious. And but the rest of the film, there's a good 20, 20 to thirty minutes where it's a lot of it's kind of like the whodunit, and that part I think is a little slow, but. Oh my God, this film is so good. It's just so fun to watch. It looks incredible. I love how Tommy Wallace, he's kind of like a marginally shittier carpenter. Like, I don't think he's necessarily a bad director, but he just kind of, 
there's a bit of jank with his movies and i'm always i always like directors that kind of have a little bit of jank argento to me is a jank director where like there's just some, <laughs> some parts of his films that are just kind of weird and kind of shitty and i i kind of like that it, it adds up overall to a feels like a much more authentic product to some degree it's like okay i could see the guy who had complete control to kind of a detrimental extent um and kind of the machinations of it didn't work but um i love tom atkins and this is performance he's kind of doing like going full tony soprano here if again if, i think i wrote down my, when i reviewed this uh last year for the 40th anniversary i'm like uh yeah if this was cast in 2022 it'd be patrick wilson you know, the god of halloween now who's in every goddamn movie patrick wilson would be playing tom atkins in this movie <clears throat> for sure um you know much more they could paul, maybe they could put paul paul rudd in it too man yeah it'd be a much more <laughs> handsome looking man like tom atkins he's probably like 38 in this film he looks like he's like 60 like that man did not age gracefully he man went to harder life back then um, <laughs> that the intro of i love the title card the intro of this goes so hard if if halloween one or two are kind of like a, a celebration of like the folklore of halloween this one to me is kind of like this is the one for the reagan 80s this is the nintendo halloween like i love that about this um, the, it's shot so well, so many great scenes. I mean, that cover art uh, we saw with the tape as well too, with the trick or treaters at dusk. Um, and it's got a bleak ending, just really aggressive message on the nose. As Simon said, it's almost a little bit like they live. It's about, you know, unchecked capitalism, how corporations and and these places in small towns can just take over and dominate them to the point that they infect our our systems themselves, the surveillance in the state itself. I think there's a lot of really kind of on the nose fun messages there and it's just so brutal it's so bleak i love that about it i love that i love a good feel bad ending so i really dug it so i gave it a four and a half i had to take a little bit away but it's it's me, interesting too it has a kind this of is my second favorite halloween after halloween one like this is no better, better than halloween two for you <laughs> oh halloween yeah. two this smokes halloween two this eats halloween two's lunch well, it's interesting it's a wedgie it's with it's interesting with that in, uh, ending too because you know like i was just thinking of invasion of the body snatch was a 1978 one and there is kind of a similar echo there with that to you kind of the bleak yeah that bleak you know? hopelessness yeah <laughs> even, even the original don siegel one although it's a little bit ambiguous because it's like well did he actually stop it the ending is him warning america like you know they're coming for you so it's a little bit of you're but it's a little bit of that too you're, you're next. next and I, I i love that about it i love that it has that same loving nod to its influences of british horror and also kind of traditional 50s monster schlock too i, I love that about it so overall we got a 3.125 out of five. So that's like a, that's like a B, B plus. So pretty good. So folks, we got oh. more Halloween stuff coming on. So what we just did we, one, two, we got, three, but we, we got Quinn's, uh, Quinn's watch list and, and thing too, eh? Oh yeah. Quinn, did you want to share uh, before? Cause we, you joined us late. Did you want to share um, stuff you've watched recently or your, your watch list too? Sure. So um, I only watched one thing this week um, and I watched the watcher starring Bobby Cannavale on Netflix. And I have to say, I absolutely loved this series. I thought it was awesome. Um, acting was good. Mia Farrow looking horrible. She's in it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I love this series. I'm a huge Bobby Cannavale fan. Uh, I think pound for pound, I think Boardwalk Empire is my favorite show of all time, other than Breaking Bad. Um, I just, yeah, he's just brilliant. So it was good to see him in something again. I truly enjoyed it. And it just got greenlit for a second season. So I'm very excited about that. Hopefully they don't like ruin it and just throw in a bunch of like random new cast members with a new fucking story. But we'll see what happens. Um, and then what I added to my watch list. The first one I added was a movie called The Innkeepers. Oh, from yeah. 2011, the drama horror mystery. And it's about during the final days at the Yankee 
Pedlar Inn, two employees determined to reveal the hotel's haunted past begin to experience disturbing events as old guests check in for a stay. Uh, that's, a Thai, that's a Thai West one, isn't it? Or is it the second movie? It is do? a Thai West, yeah, because I'm still buzzing off uh, Axe and Pearl that I was like, all right, I got to watch more Thai West. Yeah, he's, um, he's got the third one coming out too. I think there's Maxine. Uh, I think, I don't know, next year maybe. I think. Yeah. Third. Yeah, no. Um, I'm going to watch it all. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And then I have um, the other thing that I have on my watch list is a movie called Blackula. Um, <laughs> yes. Fantasy, horror, romance, thriller. Um, I had a chance the other day to buy it on VHS. I waited. I had to go take a pee break and I came back and someone commented, ah. beat me to it. So oh, no. But <clears throat> it's about an ancient African prince turned into a vampire by Dracula himself, finds himself in modern Los Angeles. Um, apparently, it's a terrible movie, but I'm all in for it. Um, yeah, it's super cool. Um, the poster of it's really cool. It says, Bloodsucker, deadlier than Dracula. Warm young bodies will feed his hunger and hot fresh blood. Well, uh, his awful fresh blood, his awful thirst. And it says, Blackula is the most horrifying film of the decade. I highly doubt that, but uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sold. That's so I'm sold, man. Blackula, I gotta hit that. I'm excited <laughs> to watch that. If I can, I, I've seen it as a kid. Uh, oh yeah on, it was probably on you some uhf channel yeah it's yeah. really bad um but oh yeah it's like I'm, it's like soul it's cinema gonna, right it's gonna be great I, I you know what i need to revisit it myself yeah for sure it, from 1972 um it's only an hour and a half long but uh yeah i don't know i i i guess it's a cult film uh in the, the sort of soul cinema thing and i do like like soul like african-american soul cinema like I love the movie Shaft and Coffee and you know there's a, there's a lot of films All Pam Greer stuff yeah. Yeah yeah Rudy, Rudy Ray Moore is just fantastic. Yeah, I love I love Pam, Pam Greer and Coffee and and all that stuff so Marvin um, Definitely excited to watch Blackula but yeah those uh that's all I have this week but um yeah cool. Cool so uh it was great to uh, to hear uh, your your watch list additions. I mix those are pretty good ones too. I want to check out the innkeepers as well because yeah, I want to get. I love. Ty- I really like House of the Devil. That was really good. Yeah, yeah that exactly. was great. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, but overall, it was fun to talk Halloween. We got more Halloween stuff. We're well in November, but Halloween doesn't end on C Street. Paul so Rudd is coming. <laughs> he's coming, baby. Got to wait a few. He's, I think he's in the sixth one because I haven't seen him yet. I've watched four and five for the first time. I haven't seen him. I, I like. Sure we'll watch. Be... We'll watch number six for Paul Rudd. So he's gonna make his appearance like Mac and me in like the wheelchair. He's gonna <laughs> <be> like, <laughs> like I just imagine I'm gonna start the movie and it's gonna be that scene. And I'm like, damn it, Paul got me again. Uh, greatest, but, greatest scene in cinema. But uh, we're back next week. Halloween 4. Is it the return of Mike Myers? I get all those taglines. The subtitles mixed up. Yeah. Because <laughs> one's the curse. One's the return. One's the revenge. Wh- whatever state of mind he's in, that's what it is. It's the return. So it's the return of Michael Myers. Michael Myers is back. Guess what? Loomis is back, too. I guess that's a bit of a spoiler. But he thought he got blown up. No, baby. He's back. Um, almost everyone's back. But we'll find out who isn't back um in talking halloween four i watched it for the first time i want to talk about it but shall shut up because we got to save that for next week um and we got more halloween stuff if you like halloween any of the halloween sequels you're welcome to to join us uh maybe we'll go further in halloween i think we're earmarked to halloween six but i'm happy to talk halloween resurrection i'm happy to talk buster rhymes 
uh, getting in a battle with Rick <laughs> Let's Rhyme Showdown. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. I'm down for that. And uh, that's a classic, you know, a, a Halloween movie that appeals to every fan sensibilities. Obviously, uh, no, nah, well, we'll see. Maybe we'll talk that one. But got some more Halloween stuff to come, and I think that'll probably take us since you're talking some Christmas stuff heading into December. So if you want to get a head start watching some Christmas movies, we'll probably be around talking some of our. Maybe we'll do Christmas horrors or something like that. I really want to talk Black Christmas because that's one of my favorites. Yeah, I'm really and excited Canadian, for Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Oh, Nightmare Before Christmas too. That's like that's. Do you have any ideas, awesome. Quinn? Do you have any uh, ideas for Christmas that movie that you'd like to do? Ooh, uh, good question. Um, I mean, I would love to do the Home Alones. Um, That'd be cool. Hell yeah. Yeah, love love the Home Alones. Uh, I must admit, I know it's a 50-50 thing. I'm a Christmas Story fan. Some people aren't. Some I love Christmas aren't. Story. Yeah, I like that movie. Uh, I think they have a second one coming too. Don't that's what I heard. A rumor. Yeah, there, are, there was a second one came in a while. Yeah, ago. there was there was a second one, but uh, they're making a, a series on on HBO. Oh, cool. Um, cool. Starring Peter Billingsley, but um, nice. yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I, they'll come to me. Jingle all the way. Terrible. Oh. So <laughs> that movie is so funny. Like Sinbad. Yeah, Sinbad's dude, great. Dude. dude, he is hilarious in that. Like. He's like screaming in the middle of the street. He's like, she slept with everybody in the post office, but me. Dude, there's like <laughs> Hart- lines in that film. It's like they're iconic. And Phil, I, 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 love, I love Arnold. Arnold, so I'll watch anything like that. Absolutely. It's got, it's got Jake Lloyd, a pre-Star uh, Wars episode one. Hmm. Yeah, that's I right. Like how, that's right. I like and it has like Phil, Phil Hartman too. Recipe. Yeah, I was trying to cuckold Arnold. I love how he's trying to like seduce Arnold's wife as if Arnold isn't a fucking Austrian bodybuilder. Like any movie <laughs> where Arnold plays an average show, where we yeah, have I to pretend like that, he's man. not yeah. this paragon of masculinity, like one percent yeah, body he's fat. He's running around like Chicago looking for this boy, <laughs> and he's in his kitchen, like he all looks these like the cookies. Yeah, your wife's in the shower. You want me to go check? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, the movie's actually unironically good, so we have to watch it. I, I have to rewatch it. I, I, yeah, I'm jingle. Oh, I, I, I say we do jingle all the way because it's fun. Oh, I'm ready to get jingled. So we'll talk. We'll talk that. Anyways, folks, if you have a movie out there, if you listen along and you're like, you know what? I wish they'd talk about this movie, that movie. Just recommend it to us. Reach out to us. Um, we have Seatstruck Podcast at Gmail. You can email us. Happy to hear from folks. Um, happy to check out whatever you recommend is there anything you guys want to mention or plug uh before we wrap things up nothing not a zilch not a zilch all right well we're out of here so remember eight more days till halloween halloween halloween, halloween. <laughs> eight more days till watch halloween. out for those silver shamrocks, silver shamrocks. <laughs> so we'll take care folks we'll see you again next week